Archbishop Lucas, thank you for joining us once again on this podcast. It's been a little while since our last recording. You said recently here in the Chancery, but also to the rest of the Archdiocese, that you wanted to address the recent scandals or the scandals that have reopened uh, across the country regarding clerical sex abuse. So I, I know you sent out a statement that was read at masses. What was the impetus behind this for you, and, and what would you like to say? It's been important for me to acknowledge uh, the reports that have uh, come out uh, recently, some about things we've heard before, but um, it's certainly a, a renewed hurt uh, that uh, so many people are experiencing in, uh, in the church as we realized that there were, over a number of years, many priests and, and bishops who were personally uh, guilty of the sexual abuse of minors, and then that there were uh, others in positions of responsibility who might have known about these things and who chose to, to look the other way uh, and to not take uh, into account the hurt and the welfare of those who had been victimized. Uh, I acknowledge this with, uh, with sorrow, and I know uh, from speaking with our priests and from conversations I've had with, uh, with parishioners that this is causing uh, a great deal of, uh, of hurt and, and anger. We uh, feel this in, uh, in the church in, in a, a profound way. So it's really important that we not turn away from this. It's an ugly thing to look at, but it's true. And we have to acknowledge the truth so that uh, we can repent, but also so that we can um, be resolute in, in moving forward with the, the determination that um, to, to the extent that we can uh, help it and we need to work hard to make sure that, that we can, that, that no one is hurt going forward, uh, no one who comes to the, uh, the church looking for the Lord and, and who uh, has the experience of, of uh, being abused in, uh, in, in some way. We also have to be resolute in, in our determination to um, receive uh, reports of past or current uh, situations and then to deal with them forthrightly, not to turn away, but to make sure that, um, that we listen to those who may have been hurt and offer uh, pastoral care and, and support to them. We also cooperate with governmental authorities so that no crimes are, are being uh, covered up, so that the justice is, is served. We are committed to do that, but we, we have to remain, uh, remain resolute. And then we have to uh, continue to look at the issue of how to hold bishops and others who are in positions of responsibility in the church, hold us accountable uh, to make sure that we uh, are doing the right thing. Well, you, you mentioned that you met with the, the priest council. Oh, real quickly, what, what is the priest council? Uh, the priest council is a representative group of priests. There's one in every diocese. And so the, they're a, a group of priests that I um, meet with several times throughout the year to, uh, to seek their counsel and with them come to some prudential decisions about pastoral life within the, within the archdiocese. We always uh, have a two-day meeting scheduled at the end of the summer to welcome new members and to pray together and to look at um, what might be some of the, the issues we, we want to deal with uh, during the coming months. It was not surprising uh, in our recent meeting that um, we, would, we would have a couple of extended discussions about the sexual abuse of minors and the, the news that has come from Pennsylvania, but other places in this country and, and around the world, and, and also the, um, the news about the misconduct of Cardinal uh, McCarrick, now Archbishop uh, McCarrick. I was grateful to, to my brother priest uh, for their um, candor, and we were um, able to listen to one another speak about the, the experience we've had in, in parishes uh, with the reaction of our parishioners. Our good priests are, are hurt and dismayed by the news of the sexual abuse of, 
of miners as other people are as well. They encouraged me to continue to address the, the issue with our people, to not hide from it, uh, and also to uh, make a commitment myself to, to see what I could do with my brother bishops to ensure uh, that we have uh, the structures in place going forward to eliminate this sin from, from the church and to deal with any um, situations of, of a cover-up. And that is my resolution and my commitment. As we talk about where we're going, we should look at where we are in some of the situation. And I've had questions from friends and other people I know in you know, this part of the country and others that they can paint the institutional church with kind of a broad brush. It's easy for them to claim that there's simply rot everywhere and it's it's to the core and everyone's guilty and everyone should resign and start over. Um, it's a pretty radical approach, but without looking at what's actually already happening that they may not be aware of, there are already some some fairly strong structures in place at least regarding reporting abuses against minors. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's fair to say that the, that the institutional church has failed our people uh, in, in, in this area. And not everything is a failure, but as, especially when we see these reports that go back many decades, we can see that there was a pattern of failure, uh, both on the part of those who, who uh, directly uh, misuse their office to abuse minors and other vulnerable people, and on, on the part of, of those who refuse to to acknowledge it and, and to, to deal with it in a compassionate and a, and a just and a forthright way. Uh, as you were indicating, uh, in 2002, uh, the bishops of the United States um, published the Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People and uh, expressed our commitment there to try to make uh, the Catholic Church and, and our programs uh, the, the safest places possible for uh, for children and, and and for young people and the, the uh, as a result m- uh, many structures and procedures have been in place in dioceses and and they are uh, in place here in the archdiocese of uh, of Omaha we have uh, thousands of people every year who undergo safe environment training uh, anyone who has uh, significant contact with with minors uh, whether that's um, ordained persons, bishops, uh, priests, deacons, uh, school t- or school teachers, or youth ministers, uh, others who are in full-time ministry in the church, uh, undergo this training, as well as uh, undergo a criminal background check. Uh, but we also ask uh, those who volunteer in our programs uh, to to be part of the of the training and the background check as well. Uh, our desire is to, to make um, the church and, and our programs very inhospitable to, to somebody who would want to misuse uh, their, their position and take advantage of a, of a, a child or a vulnerable young person. We uh, insist on that, and, and the, the training has to be renewed every several years, and we have a way online of keeping track of, of who's being recertified for, uh, for safe environment. And uh, if, if somebody refuses to take the training or refuses to be re- recertified, they, they uh, uh, have to step away from, from whatever work they're, they're doing that, that involves um, children or, or, or young people. Uh, we are committed that if we ever um, receive the allegation that abuse has taken place, whether it was a long time ago or, or whether it, it was recent. Well, we're committed to a couple of things. First is uh, to, to, to receive the person who is sharing that information, uh, receive them respectfully, and to uh, let them know that they are being heard and, and that their um, courage uh, in, in coming forward to talk about either what they have experienced or what they have witnessed uh, is a, a beautiful thing and, and a powerful thing. It's very, it's very important uh, to us. 
We have a victim assistance person, someone who receives those who, who would have a reason to, to bring forward some information about abuse. Uh, Mary Beth Hanna, she's very well trained, has great experience, and I think uh, we're really blessed uh, to have her in, the, in that position. Anyone who uh, would uh, call her with a concern uh, would find that they would be very well received and, and served and that they would be heard. We also share any information we would have about the abuse of minor, even if it was from a long time in the past, with appropriate law enforcement agencies. And we do that as, as a matter of course. Again, we're, we're committed to do that so that it, uh, we're not only looking at the, uh, the issue internally, but we're cooperating with those in the community who are charged with uh, with public safety and, and with uh, the enforcement of justice. It's important for me to say that there is no one uh, serving in ministry, no priest or deacon in, in the Archdiocese of Omaha who's had one credible allegation of, of the abuse of, of a minor. It's part of the commitment of the charter. Zero tolerance, we call it. So God forbid there would be one, but uh, one is is too many. But if, if we have any reason to believe that, uh, there would be someone who would be uh, inappropriate to, to serve children or young people. Um, they're out of ministry. That person's out of ministry completely. Uh, it's important for me to be able to say that. And I think it's important for our Yes. Our priests, uh, that, that we be able to say that so that when I send a priest to a parish to uh, serve in the name of Jesus and, and to fulfill a mission there, our, our people need to have confidence that um, that, that person is appropriately placed and that, that all of the provisions of the, of the charter for the protection of young people are being uh, satisfied. So we, we can say with a fair amount of confidence, we, we have a, a strong structure in place, not only here, but a, but a, a lot of other, there are several other dioceses across the country that, are, that have... Um, a well-deserved reputation for handling those cases exactly as they're supposed to, according to the charter that all the bishops agreed to. Yes, and as part of the charter, we have a, um, a, a procedure of auditing compliance mm -hmm. uh, so that um, someone from outside comes and looks at how we are implementing the policies that we've published and the procedures that go with them and uh, the background checks and, and the training and, and so forth. Um, should mention also we have, uh, as part of the charter, we have a, a very competent review board uh, uh, with whom I consult whenever there is the allegation of, of, of abuse of a minor. That's also part of the auditing process to see that the review board is, is up and, uh, and running. And the, the review board is also made up of people from outside of the... Right, it's the, people from the community. So they're um, experts in uh, child protection and law enforcement, uh, uh, medicine, uh, psychology. So really excellent uh, people. I'm so grateful to them that they're willing to lend their expertise uh, to us in uh, in this way, they meet regularly, uh, and whether or not we have a a, a, a recent uh, allegation of abuse, they meet regularly to review our policies and to uh, just help me ensure that in every way that uh, that we can, we're we're creating a safe environment for our young people and and uh, offering them the the protection and the and the dignity that they deserve. And you indicated it closer to the top of the show about there needing to be some some new systems put in place or rather uh, changing the system that we have because in some places it's broken. Uh, and we were talking about this the other day that um, particularly regarding the, the somewhat separate but related issue of uh, malfeasance or, or mismanagement uh, cover up by bishops or even misconduct directly perpetrated by bishops like the, the McCarrick scandal. Um, what is it exactly that that's, that's broken there, and and what do you propose? Yeah, I think the recent reports have highlighted the the crucial role that bishops need to play 
uh, both in uh, dealing with misconduct among priests, but also uh, in, in terms of uh, making sure that our own conduct is um, is appropriate and, and above uh, above reproach. So we've seen a pattern again over many years of um, uh, abuse being reported and bishops not um, uh, facing that issue for what it is and and. Uh, acknowledging the hurt of the victims, but also the the harm uh, being done by the priests, and then uh, as you mentioned, the the um, recent reports about the conduct of, of Archbishop McCarrick uh, just lead us all to ask. Many people in, in the church are asking, well, well, who who deals with bishops and who holds bishops accountable uh, to the same uh, standard of um, of behavior and, and, and good conduct and responsibility as, uh, as everybody else. So I, I think that's a great question, and it's one that uh, the bishops of this country will uh, have to look at again together uh, when we meet in, in November. The leadership of our bishops' conference are already uh, um, drafting some proposals, I think, for us to, um, uh, to, to discuss. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, in, in our structure in, in, in the church, the, uh, the immediate superior of a diocesan bishop, somebody like myself, for example, is the Holy Father. And of course, the Holy Father is far away, and uh, there are a number of intermediate people that kind of serve the Holy Father between himself and me here. But it, it's clear that uh, there hasn't been an effective way uh, to call bishops to uh, accountability uh, up, up until now. Uh, we have, um, bishops of this country, committed ourselves to try to hold each other to to high standards, but there really isn't a, an effective way to... to um, offer that uh, kind of, of of accountability or, or holding to the standards of one bishop to another. We can do that fraternally, uh, but it's really uh, uh, from the Holy See that the that the direction and and the enforcement um, has to come. Um, I know that that system is weak and, and that it doesn't doesn't always work very well. So I'm going to work with my brother bishops to propose to to the Holy Father that there be a, a serious, manner for us to be held accountable that works, that's transparent, so that people can know that it that it's working, and, and the Holy Father himself will approve and and enforce. My motivation for this is twofold, I think. First, it's the right thing to do. Uh, we all need to play by the same rules. We, we all need to be accountable uh, to the Lord for whatever our, our various responsibilities are, but but to act in a in a moral and up, upright way, but particularly to be concerned about the, the welfare of the vulnerable and to not have people who are in peril in some way, whether it's sexual abuse or in some other way, think that they're just there by themselves and that the church and the church's pastors aren't on their side and, and don't care for them. But the second comes from, from an experience I had, which was a very painful one in the previous diocese uh, where I served. Uh, the retired bishop, my predecessor, who was still living in the diocese, had uh, been uh, guilty of uh, kind of over a number of years a, a series of, of uh, episodes of, of misconduct. Continued that after his uh, after his retirement, um, it was causing great scandal and, and great upset within the uh, the uh, diocese. Uh, I wasn't able to discipline him uh, for a couple reasons because I, in some ways, didn't have the authority in our structure, and then secondly, he didn't want to be disciplined. So it, it was a, a very difficult. A situation that caused uh, great turmoil within in that local church. Uh, I documented his his actions and reported them to to the nuncio, and really got no uh, effective response uh, at all. Eventually, was able to uh, communicate with the congregation for bishops, who uh, sent him a, a disciplinary letter, you might say, and told him to refrain from any kind of public ministry and from the conduct that he had been involved in. That that was. Uh, 
so wrong and, and scandalous. Uh, but they also stipulated that, that, that that instruction should remain a secret so that I knew about it, but the people of God didn't know about it. So it appeared to everyone that nothing was happening. And because the bishop himself didn't uh, didn't have self-direction, you know, in the in the right way, the church really suffered there. And and people rightly asked, well, do, do, can't, can't somebody, can't yeah, somebody can't do, do something about this? And right. they were looking at me, why don't you do something? So yeah. uh, um, again, that was a, um, a painful episode in the in the life of that uh, local church and in my own in my own life. So I, I really um, do think it's it's important for everybody in the church to know that um, bishops are accountable and to understand how we are and for there be to, to be a, a structure to to communicate uh, to, to God's people what's being done when when something needs to be done when when a, a bishop needs to be to be d- disciplined so that he, that he doesn't simply just walk off the stage and and disappear but that there is a a, a sense that there that there's is some accountability so the holy father has to be involved in that i think we can help him by asking uh, that that's something be applied uh, to us bishops in, in this country. I think that's what we intend to do. Certainly that will be my hope and my commitment that we move in that direction. Yeah, well, we, we definitely add our prayers to your uh, to your efforts in that in that regard. And we, I mean, this is one, definitely one of the, the places where, um, and I've been talking to some younger priests and and again, priests around the country and and they say, but yeah, I hear I hear the call for, for some kind of action to be taken and we, we need to definitely resolve in that direction. But, but, for one thing, they would also point out it's easy to say um, it's easy for for any of us to to think of prayer as not an action, as just a thought. But prayer is not just a thought; it's it is an action. <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, not to be glib, but it but it's a real thing. Uh, we the the whole reason that we're we're so as you mentioned, we're, you know, the people of of God were scandalized by the conduct of various of her her ministers. Okay, well. That is a we we're we're agitated by that because we're bound to them in our relationship with Christ. So it's it's I think that's one of the temptations for for me. I'll just speak personally for me as a layman is to fixate on the um, the darkness and the the sins and and to become so uh, wrapped up in how do we fix that that I don't even think to ask the one who's in charge of all of this, who's supposed to be the one who heals sin and death. So. I, yeah. Any any more encouragement on that direction you can give us? I think we'll take. <laughs> the the, um, the whole church has been wounded by this sin, and and uh, whenever we experience the ugliness and the and the pain uh, of sin, the brokenness that it causes, the dislocation which in the in the body of Christ which it which it causes, it, it reminds us that we need redemption. We need the the power of God's mercy, and we ask for that. Even those who have not committed. Uh, this terrible sin, feel the effect of it. So together, it's appropriate uh, for us to to beg God's mercy, uh, particularly for those who have been directly uh, wounded by the sin of abuse or by the misuse of power. Uh, but really, all of us feel this in in some way. We, th- you know, we think of Jesus. The the um, our Father sent him uh, to uh, to us as our Redeemer, and he humbled himself, and he fasted in the desert. Um, he uh, offered himself on the altar of the cross. He himself was sinless. He wasn't guilty of, of sin, but uh, limited himself, humbled himself, and prayed uh, on behalf of, of the people so, so that the people could be healed uh, through his 
through his mortification. Um, I think he invites us to join him in that some way when he tells us to take up the cross. That's not simply a pious thought. But at a moment like this, when we really feel uh, hurt and, and humiliation, all of us in, in the body of Christ in, in different ways, um, it, it's important, I think, that we pray and fast if that, if that seems, seems practical. I've shared with our priests uh, and, and others that um, I'm choosing on Thursdays uh, to fast myself and to, uh, I pray every day, but I, to pray in a special way for an hour before the Blessed Sacrament on Thursdays to, uh, uh, in reparation for the sin of abuse and, and of, the, uh, of sexual abuse and of the abuse of power. I've invited our priests to join me in that in some way as, as they're able to do it and certainly extend that invitation to anyone in the, in the people of God. It's not that we blame everybody for, for what's happened, but, uh, but we, we all experience the, the burden of it. And uh, we do want to invite the Lord into it. You know, he, um, uh, he wants to be with us where, where we're most hurting and, and where we have perhaps been most vulnerable uh, uh, in the past. Uh, he wants to be with us there to, to strengthen us and, uh, and, and to heal us. So we, we, we don't at all want to sort of just have pious talk, you know, about how, right. how we want to turn to Jesus and everything will be fine. Uh, but at, at the same time, it, uh, uh, the reason we have a church is because the, the Lord has established this community of believers animated by the Holy Spirit so that he can be present with us in every time and place, and we can experience his, his presence. Uh, we want to take advantage of that, and we want to uh, acknowledge that truth, even as we don't hesitate to acknowledge the ugly truth of, of abuse and of the hurt that, that has come from it. Amen. Yeah. I think that for the word that you... Uh, the word you used earlier as we were talking repentance strikes me that that's that's the nature of it it's it's a it's a turning away from sin and toward him this is a real thing it's not just a yeah not just a whim but mm -hmm. as we're talking about the confusion and the hurt and the, the temptation to despair is one of the things that i think a lot of people are facing and the temptation to to maybe uh separate ourselves or distance ourselves from from this whole church thing uh in whatever way that you know that manifests in a given person's life, I've been wondering about our our seminarians and uh, and I know you were with them on retreat uh, recently. Well, right, I think right as the the big stories were were breaking. Uh, so what what were those conversations like? I had the opportunity to be with them, as you said, and and to, we prayed daily, of course, but then also to have a conversation with them about um, my. Um, determination uh, that they uh, be suitable candidates for the priesthood. And we were very careful in terms of screening uh, those who are admitted to, to the seminary. Conversation also dealt with the, the issue that um, we heard regarding Archbishop McCarrick, but then also other things that have been in, uh, circulating uh, recently that, that, um, that seminaries in some places might not be healthy in environments, morally speaking, that um, seminarians might be invited to participate in, um, uh, in activities or relationships which are illicit and, uh, and not at all in line with, um, with the gospel and certainly with the commitment to a, a celibate lifestyle that every priest is, uh, is asked to make and with the, uh, in, not in line with the virtue of chastity that all of us are uh, asked to, to um, embrace in our own uh, in our own vocations, our, our own state of life. So I, uh, I, I have confidence in the seminaries that, that, that we use. We don't have one here in our archdiocese, of course, but uh, we um, make use of seminaries in other places where I have confidence in the, 
in the seminary administration and 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 faculty it, it, that our seminary students will have good example and healthy formation uh, as they they grow as men, but also men who are preparing uh, for um, for ordained ministry. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm determined. Uh, to see that that's true, I think that's true. But as I told the seminarians, we also we always have to hold on to the if. So I, I uh, was clear with them that if they should uh, see something or experience something that they think is not um, uh, that, that's not proper, that that in some way is not uh, respectful of human life and dignity of, of the the uh, our gospel understanding of of uh, love and, and human sexuality, that they just need to raise hell and to raise it with as many people as they can. Uh, these days, people will listen and, and they should be listened to. Um, you know, we, I don't uh, look forward to, to that happening. I don't think that it will, but we have to, we, we realize that it has, that has been the case in, in some, some places. So again, to, to um, think that, it, that in some way there would be people in positions of responsibility who would be initiating younger people, those who would who feel called to serve the church, initiating them into illicit practices or, or things that are, that are immoral, that it's disgusting. Um, and we have to, in that area too, be, de- be determined that we have healthy systems and, and healthy uh, people staffing our seminaries and, and, uh, and houses of formation. Uh, I, I really uh, appreciate our seminarians. They're they're good men. Um, they're uh, responding as well as they can to the call of our Lord. Uh, they they feel called to to serve Him as priest. There's a a process of discernment that goes on many years, both in their own hearts about whether this is their vocation, but also within the church. Uh, so, with our vocation director and seminary staff, myself, we help discern whether whether it seems that that the, both the call is true, but also that the man has the requisite. Um, personal gifts uh, to, to be able to respond to it and to l- do it in a mature and, and, and healthy, healthy way. Uh, but, but you're right, you know, we, uh, the, the, the respectful uh, priestly ministry that we all want to experience in, in our parishes and in our schools de- depends on, on men who are really, who are well-formed, uh, mature in the faith, virtuous. Uh, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're determined uh, to to provide for our, our parishes, for our families going forward. And I, and I must say, you know, we, we have so many holy and dedicated priests in, in our archdiocese. Um, many of the people who are listening know them, uh, know good examples of uh, of that. So to to say that is not at all to to minimize the the hurt of those who have have misbehaved. Uh, but we are all committed together. Uh, myself, our uh, our priests uh, that. We be uh, as holy as the Lord will uh, help us be, that we be virtuous and, and that we um, follow our safe environment policies so that it's clear uh, uh, that what we're up to is all for the, the good of, of the people and according to the, the pattern of Jesus himself. What we have learned is that, that sometimes seminarians or young priests have been uh, um, in, uh, initiated in, into a, a way of life that is not virtuous are healthy that, that that's improper and have um, felt some kind of fear about being able to report that right you retribution know, to, or to, something yeah. right that, that there would be some kind of retribution that they would be somehow made to pay pay for uh, for that uh, that honesty so I, I address that also with our with our seminarians you know they um, if they should find themselves involved in in conduct or activity that that is not moral or if somebody else is proposing that. Uh, to them, th- that they should n- shouldn't be afraid uh, to come forward with, with with the truth. We know that Jesus wants them uh, to be free and 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 to live in the truth. 
uh, and, the, and the same really applies to any any of our people. You know, we should all really have standing in in the church as baptized members of the body of Christ. That that if we feel something is is being forced on us or even offered to us, that um, is, is improper. And especially if it's being done by somebody who's in a position of responsibility, like a priest or a bishop, that we need to speak up, even though it, it seems like that the process of speaking up might be unpleasant or or difficult, or that somebody might be angry with, with us for, for doing it. Uh, uh, Jesus wants us to to live in freedom and to be able to to grow into the people we're created to be virtuous uh, women and men. And and um, uh, in the long run, that's not possible if if we're cooperating in e- with evil in, in some way, even either by our own actions or allowing somebody else to do that. So I've encouraged our seminarians if if they should ever see or experience that to speak up. But I really offer that encouragement uh, to to anyone. One of the benefits of our safe environment training, I think, is that so many people now in our community are are on their toes mm-hmm. uh, about the evil of the abuse of young people, sexual abuse, and and the abuse of power. Uh, we all want to hold each other accountable together, and if we, uh, I think there are just more of us who are alert that if they see something that looks suspicious or that they're uncomfortable about, there's a a way to raise uh, concern that um, can be can be investigated and and, and can be looked at. And our commitment is that we want to have a healthy church. Uh, we want people to be safe. We want us to encourage each other in virtue. And as I said earlier, we want to play by the same rules in terms of uh, obeying God's law, obeying the precepts of the of the gospel of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And I think one of the reasons that the Lord comes to us in the context of the church and the community of believers is, is so that we can know him together and encourage each other in, um, in, in being faithful disciples. Amen. Yeah. So we'll we'll reiterate that one more time. Just that if anybody has a concern in this area, if there's a uh, you see something as you said that's suspicious or is a violation of boundaries of of prudence or uh, chastity regarding minors, vulnerable adults, anybody, uh, we have a mechanism for reporting that. We'll make sure we have those those links shared on the the podcast. It's easy to find on our Archdiocesan website, archomaha.org. Um, you can also call the chancery, and you'll be routed to the right person. Right, people could c- call law enforcement. You know, the, exactly, the, uh, yeah. really, I, I think we need to take this responsibility seriously. And there are um, ways to to raise our concerns and and to be heard, both within the church and and within the community. And um, we shouldn't uh, hesitate to to use them if, if we uh, think there's a, a, an important reason to to say something. Archbishop, thank you for leading us in this conversation and for your willingness to take on the, the concerns of the of your people and, and share them with your brother bishops. We'll be praying for you as you work with them. Everybody's been invited to pray by the, the Holy Father to pray in reparation, um, but also just continually pray for one another, uh, for healing for those who have been hurt in whatever way it's happened, to pray for, for even for the, the healing of those who are uh, so far from him that they would hurt others. I think that's the the most difficult prayer to adopt at this time, but it, it's been something that I, I realize is uh, is needed in 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 charity if we're actually to practice that. Would you lead us in in a prayer now, and uh, we'll close with that today? Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the gift of your Son Jesus, who has come as our Savior and brother. We know that we are able to meet Him alive, risen from the dead, in the church which He has established. Uh, through the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we realize in sorrow that some who have come looking for the Lord have uh, been hurt and been uh, ignored by uh, 
those who have been put in place by the, the, the Lord to represent him and to, to lead others, especially little ones close to him. And uh, we ask for uh, healing for the hurt that has been caused. Uh, we pray for the light of the Holy Spirit so that we might be vigilant, uh, that we uh, might be drawn uh, to practice virtue and, and especially to uh, be aware of, of those who need uh, protection. May they find uh, the church to be a, a, a place of life and flourishing, of healing. Give us all the help of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the way that uh, you mark out for us moving forward uh, to deal with uh, present and past hurts in, in our church and to put in place the structures of accountability that will help lead us in on the paths of, of virtue. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.